listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to be uh, talking about the fact that, uh, and giving you guys some news, uh, I have a pre-existing condition. That's the title of the broadcast, and so I want to tell you guys about it and uh, and let you know what's going on. So, very exciting. I want you to open your Bible with me to John chapter 1. If you've been following me on Twitter, if you follow me on Facebook, you saw that I've been posting late this afternoon about the first chapter of John, and uh, that's where we're headed tonight. And I want you to just, we're going to read one verse of scripture to start. Just one verse of of scripture. It's the first chapter of John and the first verse. Amen. That's it. Terry said, I'm so full, I sweat faith. (laughs) Faith comes out of my pores. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, so I can testify I'm being filled. We're, We're all going to the next level of faith in Jesus' name. Every last one of us are going to the next level of faith. In a time where many are afraid, many are panicking, we are staying in supernatural faith. And so we're going to start in John chapter 1 and verse 1 tonight. I tweeted something uh, before I came on, and I was just I was just doing some studying. Man, I'm already sweating. I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was just doing some studying and things before I, I came on. Of course, I pray and study. I pray for you guys and get ready for these broadcasts. But... Um, one of the things that I got, I was in John chapter one, and of course, just reading this first verse, and uh, it was so powerful. I tweeted, if you didn't see it, that preachers could literally do like a three-month series on this one verse of scripture and never, ever exhaust the depth of this powerful passage of scripture, John chapter one and verse one. And we're going to read it in just a moment and uh, and go through that. And I'm going to tell you, this thing is going to change you tonight. It's going to absolutely change your spirit. It's going to change your faith level. And we're going higher. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready for this. Yeah, that's the title of the broadcast. I have a pre-existing condition. And so I want you to hear this uh, with me tonight. Listen to this. I'm in John 1.1. Listen, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. Stop there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So just stop right there. That verse is going to be our basis, our text tonight for the broadcast. And I want you to hear this. I was in Canada with my father. We were doing our Canadian camp meeting, our annual uh, Canadian camp meeting in Ontario. And uh, I was slated to preach on this particular night. And uh, so I was just praying And I said, Lord, just tell me, what is it that you want to say to your people tonight? What would you have me to preach to the people that'll be there? And of course, those watching on live stream and those that'll watch later on television. What's the word that you want me to preach to your people? And as I was praying before I left the hotel to go over to the church, um, I heard the Lord say, open your Bible to John chapter one and start reading. And I will show you what I want to say to the people. And so I opened it up to John, gospel of John chapter one. And I began to read. And uh, this is what I got to. In the beginning was the word, and the Lord said, stop. 
stop right there. <laughs> That's all I got. I started reading. In the beginning was the word. Holy Ghost said, stop. He said, just preach that. Just preach that. I'm like, that's that's all? That's all you want me to preach? In the beginning was the word? That's the whole that's the whole message? Yes. He said, stop there, just preach that. Probably the shortest text that I'd ever taken to preach in the history of preaching until this year, by the way, in January. I was with my friend Pastor Brian Wright at Boomerang Church uh, at the beginning of the of this year. And uh, I opened up the Bible to the, to the gospel of John and read my text, Jesus wept. That was the whole text. And I preached the whole night on Jesus wept. But here, this at the time, this was the, this was the shortest text I think I'd ever taken. God said, just preach on in the beginning was the word. That's it. And I began to break it down. This, by the way, is one of my favorite verses of scripture in the entire Bible. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, just studying one verse just studying one verse, you can go so deep with just one verse, it'll blow your mind. That's why I said preachers could do a three-month series on it and still not exhaust it. And uh, so I got up there and uh, I, I began to preach and I, I just I just read that. So I said, everybody turn in your Bible to John chapter 1. And uh, everybody did. I said, let's read our text for tonight. And I, <laughs> and I said, in the beginning was the word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus, I just, people kind of chuckled because it was so short. However, I began to preach what the Holy Spirit showed me to preach on that night, which was this thought that the word existed from the beginning. It had no beginning and it will have no end. It had no beginning and it will have no end. And then, of course, if you keep reading in the Gospel of John chapter 1, you'll see that the Bible says in the 14th verse that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Christ is the Word. Christ is the Word. And the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. So I want you to catch this with me tonight. The actual Word of God, the actual Word of God became flesh. I want you to write this in the comments, every person that's watching, God is his word. I want you to write that in the comments. God is his word. There's my friend, Pastor Josh Van Huck. Love you, man. Thank you. God is his word. Put that in the comments section, every person that's watching. This is a vital, vital truth for you to catch on tonight's broadcast. God is his word. And, and if God is his word, there's no differentiation between God who sits on the throne and the word that comes out of his mouth or the word that we hold in our hand. There is no difference between God who sits on the throne, God sending out his spoken word, and this word that we hold in our hands. No difference whatsoever. No difference. God is his word. That's why we can have verses like this where the Bible says in Isaiah 55, in fact, I'll turn there and just read it to you. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 11. Listen to this. The Bible says here, so my word, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The reason that God can say that about his own word is because who, what demon, what devil is going to tell his word no? If God speaks something and commands it to be done, what demon, 
What demon is going to look at God's word and say, I know that's what you want to do, Lord, but you're not allowed to do it. We're not going to let you do it. Who do you think you're talking to? That is God who sits on the throne, God of heaven and earth. That is Jehovah. That is the most high God. And when he speaks, the Bible says, if he speaks, it has to come to pass. Will he not do it? If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Why? Because God is his word. He is his word. There's no differentiation between God and his word. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 138 and verse 2 that he has magnified his word above his name. Some translations render it this way. He has backed up his word with the power of his name. Listen to it in the ESV. The Bible says in the English Standard Version, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Or in the footnote, it says this, or you have exalted your word above all your name. So you've, he's exalted his word even above his name. His word is the most powerful force in all of the universe. Nothing is more powerful than the mighty word of God. Nothing, nothing, because he is his word. When his word goes forward, it always, how can he say that it always accomplishes what he sends it to do? Because he doesn't even have to get off of his throne. His word represents him. It is him in spoken form. This word that we hold in our hands is inspired by God. It is God breathed. It came out of the mouth of God into those that wrote this word that were inspired. What they wrote was inspired by God. I told you, if you've watched me before, I've told you that uh, there's a Greek word that's found in the New Testament manuscripts. It's Paul's uh, letter to Timothy, his last letter uh, that he ever wrote, uh, where he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God. But I want you to see this because most people never catch this because, and I understand there's a lot of people that just aren't, obviously not everybody's looking into the original language and not everybody's a preacher, so not everybody has to, and I understand that. But one of the exciting things that you'll find, uh, look at this, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, all scripture, and I love how the ESV renders it. Because if you read other translations, it might say um, all scripture is inspired by God. But I love how the ESV says it because it's very literal to what the original Greek manuscripts say. It says it this way. All scripture is breathed out by God. You hear that? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in godliness. The reason that it says... All scripture is breathed out by God is because the Greek word in the manuscripts here, very interesting Greek word, it is theonustos. It's actually two words put together, uh, theo or theos, which is God, and then neustos, which actually means breath or wind. And so what it means there is God's breath or God's wind, what comes out of his mouth, the breath of God. That's why the Bible in the ESV renders it, all scripture is breathed out by God. 
It's not just inspired. He didn't give them a little feeling in their belly and they started writing on paper. No, he breathed. He spoke to those men. It was in, it went into their spirits and they began to write what was inspired on the page. And so I want you to catch this with me tonight. The reason that it says that is that the, the word of God carries the breath of God. Hallelujah. This is going to get me dancing in this studio tonight. The word of God carries the breath of God. Now, the breath of God, anybody that has ever studied pneumatology, that's the study of the Holy Spirit. We have it in Miracle Word University. Anybody that's ever studied pneumatology, you know that the the study of pneumatology, it's not just the study of the Holy Spirit, but more literally, it is pneuma, meaning the breath or the wind, as I just told you. It's the study of the breath or the wind of God. That's the Holy Spirit. So catch this with me. The word of God carries the breath of God. The word of God carries the breath of God. When God speaks, his breath is attached to his word. Oh, hallelujah. And the breath of God is the Holy Spirit. The breath of God is the Holy Spirit. It's like when God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. You remember the story. The Bible says he'd created everything and then he takes with his hands and forms Adam's body from the dust of the earth. But Adam was still just a formed being until, what did God do? Blew the breath of life into Adam's mouth. And the Bible says, and he became a living being. What did God just do to Adam? He breathed the life-giving spirit of the Holy Ghost into his creation and Adam came alive. Think about how powerful this is, man. (laughs) I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something tonight. It's going to stir you up, man. God, this is so powerful that God breathed the breath of life into the creation that he formed with his hands and something that was just dirt and sand became a living, breathing being, Adam, the first Adam. God breathed into the first Adam and he came to life. But then I want you to see this. The last Adam That's what the Bible calls Jesus in portions of scripture, the last Adam. The last Adam died on the cross and was placed in a tomb. But the Bible says that on the third day, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God was in the tomb. And and Romans 8, 11 says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So catch this, that Holy Spirit of God was in the tomb on the third day. And that spirit that raised Adam to life at the beginning is the same spirit that raised the last Adam back to life. The breath of God was in the tomb with Jesus. And when the breath of God that was in the tomb with Jesus went into his body, it brought a dead man back to life. In the beginning of time, it brought Adam to life. At the end of time, it brought the last Adam to life. The breath of God, which is his word. Hallelujah. That's so powerful that the word of God carries the breath of God. All scripture is God breathed. I want you, if you may have seen me do this before, but it's a phenomenal illustration for you to catch this. Those of you that are watching, take your hand, put it in front of your mouth and say the word power. Just say power. And you will feel on your hand, your breath released from your mouth as you speak that word. Why? Because you must 
release breath in order to speak. That's why anytime we're having a conversation with somebody, we have to pause and we have to take a breath so that we can say more words. We can't just speak indefinitely. Once we run out of breath in our lungs, we have to draw more breath in order to speak more words because it's impossible to speak without releasing breath. And God who speaks, when he speaks, he is releasing his breath when he speaks. That's why the word of God that we hold in our hand is actually full of the breath of God. That's why that this, oh man, let me just show you. Gospel of John chapter six. Listen to what Jesus said about his own word. John 6, 63, listen to this. It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Why? Because the word of God carries the breath of God, which is that spirit, which is that life. It's a life-giving spirit. The breath of God is a life-giving spirit. And when you speak the word, when you speak the word, you are releasing the breath of God. If you want to hear something really powerful, the Lord showed me this just a couple of months ago. Do you realize Jesus released a word into his own future that raised him from the dead? I want to stop and show you this. Jesus spoke a word of prophecy out of his own mouth that raised him from the dead. What did he say to his disciples? He said, you'll tear, this temple will be torn down and in three days, I will raise it back up again. He also said in another portion of scripture, no man can take my life. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it back up again. So what was he prophesying? That on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Well, that word of prophecy. Now think about this. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, he was a liar. And he, he was a perfect man, so he could not have lied. He could not, no word of prophecy that left Jesus' mouth could have ever been void or not come to pass. So when he said to his disciples, you'll tear this temple down and in three days, I'll raise it back up again. And of course, at the time, they thought he was talking about uh, the temple they were looking at. But the Bible says that they realized later after his resurrection, he was referring to his own body. When he said that, You'll tear this temple down and in three days, I'll raise it back up again. The word went out of his mouth. The breath of God went out of his mouth, went into the future and waited on him to show up. And as he's there, of course, he was in the lower parts of the earth. The Bible says in the compartment, which we call paradise, you know, now we call it paradise uh, that we we've studied the scripture. We know there were two compartments of Hades. One was a compartment of suffering. The other was a compartment called paradise which is where Jesus was between his death and his resurrection. And uh, remember, he said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. That wasn't heaven. He was in the lower parts of the earth in that second compartment of Hades called paradise. And he was in the lower parts of the earth until the third day came and his time of his prophecy to come to pass arrived. The Holy Spirit was in the tomb waiting on him on the third day. And the word that came out of his mouth that traveled into the future, finally he arrived at that point in time and the power of the Holy Ghost shook his dead body back to life. He spoke the breath of God, of course, because what did I just, um, we started with John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
Jesus is God, just as much as Jehovah is God, just as much as the Holy Spirit is God, Jesus is God. And the Bible says that uh, the, the word was made flesh. So God in the flesh was Jesus Christ. When he spoke the word, the breath of God went out of his mouth, went into the future and waited on him to manifest his power in that dead man's body. And he was shook back to life by the power of the Holy Ghost. He actually spoke the breath of God into his future by speaking the word. Hallelujah. Just by speaking the word. When God speaks, he releases his breath and his breath is a creative life giving force. That's why when he speaks, see, understand this, the, uh, the, the word of God knows no limitations. It knows no boundaries. If you read the, the story that took place in Matthew chapter eight, a centurion servant, a centurion came to Jesus because his servant was sick with palsy and was laying at home in bed. And Jesus being full of compassion said, hey, I'll come to your house and heal him. And the centurion said, you don't need to do that because I understand you're a man of authority. I'm the same. If I tell my servants go, they go. If I tell them come, they come. And he recognized that Jesus was the same except in the supernatural realm. So what did he say? Speak the word only. Man, catch this tonight. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. That's why Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. He said, every one of my people don't believe me as much as you believe me and you're a Gentile. This was an Italian man. He said, you believe me more than all my people believe me. And the Jesus spoke the word and the Bible says, and from that hour, the servant was made whole. Why didn't he have to travel there? Why didn't Jesus have to go to his house? Why didn't Jesus have to lay his hands on the servant? Why didn't he have to put a prayer cloth on him? Why, why didn't he anoint him with oil? Because the power that's in his word is just as powerful as laying hands on somebody. Why? Because the breath of God is in the word of God and he can speak a word and that word released carries the life-giving power of the Holy Ghost on it. Same as God in heaven, the Father, Jehovah seated on the throne is Jesus carrying the word. He is the word made flesh. And when he speaks, the breath of God is released. And I want you to understand this. Now that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you speak the word of God, guess what happens? The breath of God is released from your mouth. The mighty Holy Spirit. That's why if you follow me on Instagram, I posted a quote a couple of days ago from my book, Blood on the Door where I said that if you say what God says, you can never be wrong. Speak the word. If you say what God says, anytime you speak this word, you are speaking the word of God and the breath of God is coming out of your mouth to accomplish what he sent it to do. So I want you to see this with me tonight because this will stir your spirit up that you begin to understand the breath of God is attached to the word of God. And now, you saw that I wrote in the you saw that I wrote in the uh, description of the broadcast because I wanted to give you some news tonight that I saw you saw that I said I, I, I found out that I have a pre-existing condition, and so I wanted to give the news to you here on the broadcast tonight for those of you that are watching, just so you have a heads up that Brother Ted has a pre-existing condition, and so that you don't hear it from somebody else, I want you to hear it directly from me. Is that 
no matter what, of course, you know this, if you have insurance and you go to get insurance, one of the questions they ask you is, do you have any pre-existing conditions? Do you have any pre, have you, if you've seen that, throw a hand in the comments. Do you have any pre-existing conditions? It's a standard question with all insurance companies for health insurance. Do you, because they don't want to insure you if you're already got something wrong with you. And uh, I've always answered on that question, no, that I don't have any pre-existing conditions. But then I read John 1.1 and truly understood it. And so now I realize that I do have a pre-existing condition and it pre-exists every sickness and it pre-exists every disease and it pre-exists every demon and it pre-exists the devil himself. It pre-exists everything. And so I'm here tonight to tell you that I do have a pre-existing condition called the word of God because in the beginning was the word. That's why we stopped there because I want you to catch this with me tonight. It's a powerful thought that you had, get this, get this, get this. You had a word before you had a problem. I'm going to let that sink in. You had a word over your life before you had a problem. Let me give you, let me, let me give it to you in another, in another way. You had a word before you even had an enemy. Hallelujah. I feel like dancing in here tonight. You had a word before you even had an enemy. Hallelujah. Because you've always been in the spirit of God. You came out of him. You are of him. Before you were in your parents' bodies, you were in the spirit of God. You came out of God. The Bible says that you are of God or from God, little children, 1 John 4, 4. And so I want you to hear me tonight. Before there was sickness, you had a word of healing. Before there were viruses, you had a word of healing. Before there were bacteria and foreign things trying to enter your body, you had a word of protection. Before there was terrorist attacks, you had a word of protection. Before there was poverty and lack, you had a word of provision. The word pre-exists your problems. Hallelujah. I've got a pre-existing condition called the word of God. In the beginning was the word. Do you realize before Satan became Satan, when he was still, when he was still Lucifer, when he was still Lucifer, I had a word before his rebellion, before a third of angels left heaven and rebelled with him and came and became fallen angels and demons. Before any of that happened, I had a word. You had a word. I have a pre-existing condition. You have a pre-existing condition called the word of God. In the beginning was the word. That means there's nothing before it. Let me, let me just, let me take you there for a second because I want you to hear some of these, some of the other things that are said here by the Holy Spirit. That's right. Before there was anything, there was the mighty word of God. Listen to this. I'm going to break it down very, very, uh, carefully here. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Watch this. And all the verse three is very, very important. You catch this. And all things were made through him and without him 
was not anything made that was made. Hallelujah. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Verse five, the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not, has not, has not overcome it. The darkness cannot, this is what the scripture is telling us, cannot, will not, and has not. The darkness cannot overcome the light of his word. Cannot. It is impossible for the darkness of this world, whatever it may be, whatever form it may take, it is impossible for the darkness to overtake the the mighty the light of the mighty word of God. In the King James, it says it comprehended it not. But what, what that means is it could not overcome it or overtake it. There is no, do you realize even the natural realm that there is no darkness that can overtake even the smallest portion of light? Think about this for just a moment. Even in the natural realm, There is no darkness that can overtake even the smallest amount of light. Think if you were sitting in your church in the middle of the night, no windows open, everything pitch black, pitch black. If there was no light in the sanctuary of your church, you could hold your hand to the front of your face and still not see your hand right in front of your face. But if way down in the front, somebody just lit a match and held it up in the front row. There's enough light in there just from the little match for you to begin to see your hand and see things around you. You know what that means? Just that small flame that's all those yards away from you in the front row, just that tiny flame on the edge of the match is enough to drive back darkness that was in that room and let you begin to see things you could not see. There is no darkness that can overtake light. Absolutely no darkness that can overtake light. You know, one of the things that I want you to see, this will stir up your spirit, man, is uh, found in Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verses 11. Maureen, that the woman's name is Linda Gibson. The song is called The, the song is called Funeral Plans. That guy that was singing it is Jeremiah Yoakum, Y-O-C-O-M. Psalm 84, 11. Listen to this. Light always dominates. No question. Light always dominates the darkness. Listen to the 11th verse of Psalm 84. For the Lord God is a sun, S-U-N, and shield. I could stop and preach on that for two hours. He is a sun and a shield. He is the light. He is the light. And so I want you to catch this. The the actual sun that we have in the universe, the actual sun, is nowhere close to as powerful of a light as God is. Nowhere close. It's a much, 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 much dimmer light than God is. But we know how bright the sun is, that even in the time when we have an eclipse, what do they always tell us growing up? Even when we have an eclipse, don't look directly into the sun, even when the shadow falls across it, because it's so bright that it can burn your retinas even when you're in in the time of an eclipse. So don't look directly at it. That's a much dimmer light than God the Father, than Christ, than the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to think of this. The Bible says that God is a sun and a shield. So he is the source of light. 
Okay, let's use the natural sun, okay? The only reason that there is anything called shadow, listen to this, shadow does not mean that there's an absence of light. Shadow means that there's a strong source of light. Do you know there's no shadows in the darkness? If you go into pitch black darkness, there are no shadows. You can't have a shadow without a source of light. And so I want you to see this. Shadow is not the absence of light. Shadow is the result of a strong source of light. And so God himself is that light. But you know what a shadow does? A shadow shows you it's an imperfect source of light. So for example, if you were to uh, watch the NFL, right, on, on television, if they were still, you know, if any sports were still going at this point, um, if you were to watch anything, baseball, whatever, you can look at the field and because there's lights coming at them from every direction, if they do a close-up of a player on the field, sometimes what you'll see is uh, like a football player standing on the field, you'll see, you'll see he has like four or six shadows coming off of him on the turf. Why does he have four or six shadows? Because there's that many light sources hitting them, hitting him where he's standing. So each light source that hits him casts a shadow in a different direction. It's a strong light source throwing a shadow. But I want you to see this. If you were ever in a perfect light source, there would be no shadows. So for example, let's say we could remove the heat from the sun and only have the light, but none of the heat. And then let's say that we all went into our church sanctuary and that we could lower just a tip, just the edge of the sun into our church sanctuary with with none of the heat, but all of the light. That sun is so large that it would literally, just just a very tip of it, would fill the entire sanctuary. Well, that would mean that light was shining from every single direction. There wouldn't be one light source over here and none over here, it would be coming from every different direction. You know what that means? It would cancel out every shadow in the sanctuary. Why? It's a perfect light source. It's coming from every direction and shining in every direction, which means it completely drives away any shadow. Perfect light source. So you think about the sun, an imperfect light, It is not anywhere close to as bright or as powerful as the light of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You start to understand when the Bible says our God is a sun and a shield. That means that not only is he a shield, uh, uh, meaning he's protecting you, but he's a light, which means that shadows are being dispelled. Hallelujah. You know, it's like Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why do I have to fear no evil? For thou art with me. For thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I'm walking with the light source, I have nothing to fear from shadows because the light source who walks with me is dispelling every shadow that's around me. See, the devil loves to work in the dark. And the, the Bible actually teaches this, that when men become evil, of course, you don't have to become evil. People are evil inherently. The Bible teaches that, that people are uh, born into sin and into unrighteousness. And so uh, the evil hearts of men, the, the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light 
because their deeds are evil. Somebody look that scripture up for me and put it in the comments section. I don't know the reference off the top of my head. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. The Bible says that. And somebody will pop it in the comments in just a second. So what does that show you? That the spirit of darkness, the spirit of evil, the devil himself, his demons, uh, those that are sons of the devil, literally the Bible calls them, love darkness because their deeds are evil. What does that mean? They want to hide their evil in the darkness. They don't want the things that they're doing to be seen, so they do them in the darkness. They do them in the darkness. Um, it, it's like, you know, it, it's very rare. I mean, it does happen that, that, uh, that, you know, house robberies and different things happen in the daytime, but the majority, you think about it, happen at night under the cover of darkness. Why? Be John 3.19, there it is. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So you see what uh, Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 19, that's showing you that in the darkness, they're trying to shroud their evil deeds in the darkness. Why? Because the enemy always works in the darkness, which is why our God is a sun and a shield. He is the light, and that light is the life of men, the Bible says, John chapter 1. And so our God is a light. His word, hallelujah. I love what David said. Go with me to Psalm 119. You know where I'm headed with this. Psalm 119. What does the Bible say? Hallelujah. So powerful. Psalm 119, verse 105. He said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Hallelujah. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the word of God is the light of God. John 1 tells us that. In him was the, he is that light. And in that light was the life that was the uh, light of men. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So God's word is his light. God's word is his light. This word, watch this now. This is where I'm getting ready to get, get excited. I might jump up and dance around this room. This light right here dispels every bit of darkness that's sent against your life. This light dispels the darkness that's sent against your life. Before there was a coronavirus, you had a word of healing because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You tonight have a pre-existing condition called the word of God. And so I want you to catch this thought process with me because a lot of times when you're talking about miracles and prayer and, uh, and what takes place when you pray and uh, how it works, how God works on your behalf. People think that what happens is that the enemy launches an attack, call it coronavirus, call it cancer, call it whatever you want. People think, okay, the enemy launches an attack and then the church then must pray so that, number, so that God will acknowledge the attack and then begin to create a way of escape out of the attack or come and protect me from the attack. And they think that what happens is, is that when the devil launches an attack, the church has to pray to put God's power in motion 
so that he'll do something, so that he'll do something, so that he'll do something about the attack. That is not what happens. That is not what happens by any means at all. What actually happens is this. I mean, like, for example, read, read what Peter said in 1 Peter 2.24. By, talking about Christ, by whose stripes you will be healed? Is that what he said? Somebody put the word in the comments. By whose stripes you will be healed? Or does it say, by whose stripes you were healed? By his stripes you were. No, he's quoting, obviously, Isaiah. He's, he's quoting Isaiah uh, here. But notice how Isaiah said, said it. He said, by his stripes you are healed. But notice the stripes weren't taken yet. Isaiah was prophesying about the Messiah who was to come. Isaiah had not seen the Messiah yet, and so he was prophesying about the future. But when Peter was writing, Peter was in the future, and that had already taken place. So Isaiah said are, Peter said were, because Peter was beyond redemption. He was past that act of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection and ascension into heaven. So now Peter could claim the fullness of what Isaiah saw coming in the future. It doesn't say you're going to be healed. It doesn't say you might be healed. It doesn't say if you pray hard enough, God will come down and heal you. It says when he took stripes, when he was crucified, when he was uh put in a tomb, when he resurrected, he completed that act. Did Jesus say it is finished or did he not? Absolutely he did. He said it is finished. And when he said it, it was done. It was done. It's already done. That was something what happened? The word that has existed from the beginning was made flesh and the word dwelt among us and the word, hallelujah, catch this. The word was put onto the cross <laughs> and the sins of the world were put onto the word and the sicknesses of the world were put onto the word and the poverty and the lack of the world were put onto the word and the word was lifted up. <laughs> Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The word was lifted up. Sin, sickness, poverty, lack were all placed onto the word made flesh. And the Bible says, Jesus shouted, it is finished. It's done. The word completed it on the cross. But that word didn't start existing when he came out of Mary's womb. That word existed. There was no beginning to him. From the very beginning, he existed. He never had, he never had an origin point. He just was. That's why God's able to say, I am. <laughs> it's not, I'm going to be, not I what, I am. I always have been able to say, I am. I exist. I always have existed. I always will exist. I am. Hallelujah. So catch this. What really takes place is that when you have an attack that comes against your life, an attack to destroy your life, when you begin to pray, what are you doing? You're reaching back and gaining access to a word that has existed 
since the beginning of time. What you're doing is tapping into a power that has always been and always will be. It never had a beginning. It will not have an end. The Bible says, and Jesus spoke of his own word, and you know what he said? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know why they'll never pass away? Because nothing gave them a beginning. Nothing gave them a beginning. So how can you cause something to pass away that is infinite, that has had no beginning and will have no end? It's the mighty word of God. And when you begin to pray, when you walk in faith, when you confess the word, guess what happens? You're just hooking up a direct pipeline to a word that pre-exists every sickness, every disease, every lack, every poverty, every attack of the wicked one. It did not happen before your word did. Your word has existed from the beginning. You, and I want you to write it in the comments. Every person that's watching, put it in the comments section. I have pre-existing conditions. I have pre-existing conditions. It existed from the beginning. If you think God didn't start healing till Jesus showed up, go back and read Exodus chapter 15, where he said to the Israelites all the way back then, I'm the Lord God that heals you. Well, then read in Malachi chapter three. Do you think he just became a healer when he told them that? No. He said, I'm the Lord your God. I do not change. God always has been and always will be a healer. He will always has been and always will be Jehovah Rapha. There's never going to be a time that he will not be the healer. There never was a time that he wasn't the healer. He is and always will be the healer. Christ is and always has been the word. And the word pre-exists every condition that's been sent your way. The word of God pre-exists every condition that was sent your way. The word is powerful. The word is powerful. Let me read you something from Hebrews as you're writing it in the comments. Look at that. I have pre-existing conditions. I have pre-existing conditions. I have, people are off on, try to focus God's child too. Talking about tablets and iPads. Try to focus on what's actually happening. Hebrews chapter four, listen to verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. Hallelujah. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must, to whom we must give an account. This word, listen to what it says, the word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the sharpest weapon that there is. What did I preach the other night about being ready for battle? That you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is sharper than your enemy. It's sharper than the weapon sending it. You know why we can say even in the New Testament, although that this comes in 
uh, at the uh, an old as an Old Testament passage, no weapon formed against you can be allowed to prosper. I have a weapon that's sharper than any weapon that was sent against me. Any weapon, it doesn't matter. You know, people like to use the examples like, well, it sounds like the devil brought a knife to a gunfight. Let me tell you what he did. The devil brought a knife to a fight where I'm flying an F-18 Hornet jet loaded down with nuclear warhead missiles. That's what the devil did. Brought a knife to a nuclear missile fight. Because whatever attack that he may think he's going to launch against you, this word is sharper than any weapon the devil thinks he has. This is the most powerful force in all of the universe. More powerful. More powerful. It is the most powerful weapon there is. And it's in your hand. And it's in your mouth. And it's in your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word of God is powerful. I want to read you this verse of scripture that'll stir you up. Go to Psalm 147. And this is what I'm going to pray over you tonight. Psalm 147. Because when God speaks, he's not going to sit around and wait and wait and wait. When God speaks, he expects things to move. He expects things to change quickly, quickly by the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. Well, I'll read, yeah, I'll read this and then we'll go to the other one. Psalm 147, verse 17, or excuse me, verse 18. Psalm 147, verse 18. He sends out his word and melts them. Hallelujah. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. You see that? He sends out his word and melts them. Every wicked thing is melted by the power of God's word. Now go a few verses back to verse 15. Listen to this. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. That's verse 15. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. God's word moves quickly. His word moves swiftly. The power of the Holy Spirit, it runs swiftly because God's word carries his breath. And so what I'm getting ready to pray for those of you that are watching me tonight is that as we release the word of God, everything that opposed your life before tonight will swiftly move out of your way by the power of the Holy Ghost. As the Bible says here, his word runs swiftly. Psalm 147, 15. His word runs swiftly. Get ready. Get ready. By the power of God. Every wicked thing that opposed your life, everything that the devil sent to destroy you is moving out of your way quickly in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever attack has come against your body, come against your mind, come against your family, come against your finances, it is coming to an end quickly in the mighty name of Jesus. Why? We're releasing the word of God. 
which is the breath of God and carries the power of God. And everything that opposes you has to bow its knee to the mighty word of God, which is exalted above every other thing in the universe, the mighty word of the almighty God. It's moving out of your way. I want every hand lifted. Every hand lifted. Faith, if you're with people at a house doing a watch party, join hands. If you're filled with the Spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost and get ready to receive this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for every man, every woman that's watching me. And right now, I take authority over every enemy that has come against their lives, come against their families. I take authority over sickness and disease tonight. Everything that tries to come against their body. I speak to the virus. I speak to bacteria. Every wicked thing that would try to trespass on the property of God that was purchased by the blood of Jesus. For your word declares that we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We are the property of Almighty God. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I declare it tonight in the mighty name of Jesus that the devil has to lose his grip on every physical body that belongs to Jesus Christ tonight. And Father, we send the word. Your word declares in Psalm 107 and verse 20 that he sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. And so tonight we send the word of healing out. I command you to be healed in Jesus' mighty name. I command you to be free in the mighty name of Jesus. Death, disease, sickness, loose your grip on God's people tonight. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I lose healing virtue to every man and every woman. I speak to you a spirit of heaviness and depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. The thoughts you could set up shop in the minds and hearts of God's people. And I rebuke you tonight in Jesus' name. I lose joy. I lose peace in the Holy Ghost. I curse every attack against the soul, against the mind, commanded to loose its grip tonight. In Jesus' name, I lose joy into your home. I lose joy into your heart. I lose peace that passes all understanding. Father, for those that can't even rest because the devil has stolen their ability to rest, I command that attack against their peace to go now. And I lose the rest of God. The rest of God. That's a promise. Lord, you said in Psalm 127 and verse 2 that you give your, you give your loved ones rest. And so we receive that rest tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. May God's people sleep like babies tonight with no worry, with no worries, no waking up in the middle of the night, no, no sitting around, you can't fall asleep, insomnia, sitting around, can't figure out why, why I can't, I can't get rest. It ends tonight in Jesus name and I lose peace and I lose rest. In the mighty name of Jesus, the protective power of God, that same blood of the lamb that was on the doorpost of the early Israelites in Egypt. I thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus is on our, our doors and every evil thing that goes through our neighborhood has to pass over our house and go somewhere else. We declare that all by the power of the Holy Ghost and we thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory. And if you're listening to me, shout aloud, amen, where you're watching and throw some emoji hands in the comments if you receive that prayer tonight in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen, Julie. Amen. 
sleeping like a baby every single night. Me too. Nothing's going to steal my rest. Nothing's going to steal my joy. In Jesus' mighty name, nothing's going to steal my rest. Nothing's going to steal my joy. Can I show? No, Arthur, the rapture has not already happened. It has not happened yet. You can be you can be at peace knowing it has not yet happened. None of us would be here if the rapture had already happened. Listen, I want to show you one more thing that's going to stir your spirit. Genesis 26. A word can come to you that changes your entire life. When the word comes to you from the Holy Ghost, it changes your entire life. Very important. Very, very important. In fact, I want to look at it. I want to look at it from this place. That's an Old Testament passage. I want to look at it from a New Testament passage. Look at this. A church in the New Testament, the Philippian church, go to Philippians 4. A church in the New Testament was led by the Spirit to assist the Apostle Paul in what God had called him to do. And I want you to see the the result of this because everybody quotes this verse and acts like they can take it as their own, but it's not for everybody. It's for the people that did what these people did. Listen to this. Philippians 4 and verse 10, Paul's writing to them. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking uh, of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him that Uh, strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Look at this. They had a leading of the Holy Spirit to attach themselves to the apostle Paul and his ministry. And they began to sow seeds by inspiration. This is what Paul's saying here. Look at this. He said, you're the only church that did and obeyed that word. Even in in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Verse 17, not that I seek seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more, and I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Look at this. Then he says what everybody tries to, to quote over themselves. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's not, that is not for everybody. That's for those who do what the Philippian church did. Those that stepped out by faith and sowed seed for the gospel's sake. And what was Paul's promise? Because they obeyed the word that came from the Holy Spirit. He said, and now my God, will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ by Christ Jesus. So understand this. The thing that connects you to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus is your obedience to sow a seed by the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit will speak to you and will show you exactly what to do. And as you sow seed financially, it's by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as you do it, guess what happens? He's leading you into the ability to profit. I've read you Isaiah 48, 17 many times before. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. So what is, what is the Holy Spirit telling us? I will give you instructions that will push you into the ability to overflow and to profit wherever you go. That's why we give you an opportunity to sow seed. Because when you sow seed by the inspiration and, and direction of the Holy Spirit, it causes you to come into a place where you profit. Where I was having you turn in Genesis 26, and I'll just recount the story to you because you know it. It was Isaac, Abraham's son, who was getting ready to follow the path of his father and go down to Egypt. And the Lord said, don't do that. Don't go down to Egypt, but instead go to the land that I'll show you, which was Gerar. And he said, go there and sow. Well, he goes there and it's a time of famine. It's a time of famine. And he said, and most people are probably like, man, are you serious, Lord? You're asking me to sow seeds in a time of famine? This is the time to hoard. This is the time to hold back. No, he obeyed the instruction of the Lord and sowed in a time of famine. And the Bible says that in that same year, he reaped a hundredfold. He got so wealthy. I mean, go there. It's so powerful. Genesis 26. He became so wealthy, Isaac did, that the king, the, the actual king shows up on his doorstep. Listen to this. Genesis 26, verse 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. And he had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled the, with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug uh, in the days of Abraham from his father. Verse 16, and Abimelech, the king said to Isaac, go away from us. For you are much mightier than we are. God will bless you to the point where you are mightier than your enemies. The spirit, Let me give you a, a picture in your mind. As you sow seed, as you expect your harvest to come back, God will bless you in such a way that the spirit of this world will envy you. The spirit of this world. Why should we? I mean, some of you are old enough to remember there, there used to be a show on television that aired on MTV called MTV Cribs. MTV Cribs. Why do I, as a believer, have to go around looking at people's homes and cars and possessions that are degenerates, that won't serve the Lord, that do vile things, make vile music, you know, living however they want to live, and I'm supposed to sit back on my couch and just sit there and watch the quote-unquote blessing of these wicked people who do wicked things. And I'm, a, I'm supposed to sit there and get all excited because somebody who has a, a, a hip hop album that objectifies uh, women and, and uh, talks about killing people and doing drugs and whatever else they talk about in the, in the songs. That, and I'm supposed to sit back and get all excited because he's got a little private jet, because he's got a house, because he's got some Lamborghini sitting there. Why do the children of God 
have to sit back and watch wicked people and, and look at their blessing while we're sitting around here just trying to hope we can get a loan to get a Mazda Miata. You, you understand what I'm saying? You, you sit back and ask yourself, if I serve a God of provision, then why is it that the spirit of this world expects everybody else to be blessed and the people of God to stay poor? What I'm telling you is there's a word that pre-exists every condition. And when the Lord speaks to you tonight, he's speaking to you a word that's going to take you out of paycheck to paycheck. It's going to take you out of lack and poverty. It's going to take you out of credit card debt, out of student loan debt, always being under the pressure of rent, mortgage, car payment, and take you to a place of being debt-free and building wealth for the kingdom so that you can be the one who's a blessing to your community and to your generation. And the spirit of this world will envy you. You'll not sit around envying what sinners have. They will envy what you have. Hallelujah. Let me just say, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm sitting in a house tonight that there are people that were not saved that when Carolyn started going to you know birthday parties and whatever, people came over with an envious comment, with envious looks. Oh, you're the one that bought that, that house with that, that you got that lot that everybody was looking to get. You have that one right on the T-juncture. Oh, you've got, and, and come over with envious, I'm not ashamed to say it. God put this house in my hand. God blessed me with it. God opened the door. This is, I'm sitting inside of a supernatural miracle tonight that God did it. I didn't do it. I couldn't have done it. God did it. And God will bless you. God will abundantly bless you for obeying his instruction and obeying his word. And I'm telling you, I mean, if I could give you the testimony of this house, I was living across the street of this development when we first moved here for two years. And this house, which I didn't even know was for sale, had no for sale sign in the yard. And it came to the time that our the guy that we were renting a house from wanted to sell it. So we had to move out because uh, you know it was, it was time and it wasn't big enough for us anyway. But I said, Lord, I don't want to leave this neighborhood. I like this neighborhood. And I had been walking this neighborhood praying in tongues the whole two years we lived here. Carolyn finds this house on the internet on like, what is that, Zillow or whatever that website is, and literally finds this house. It has been sitting here for two years trying to be sold. Listen, listen. when I tell you properties don't sit here for that long where I live, they don't sit here for two years. They don't sit here for 40 days. People snatch them up. And this guy who was an attorney from Miami that owned this property could not get rid of it. Two, three people tried to buy it. Every single sale fell through. And I was, I, not without even knowing it, I was walking past this house probably 50 times a day in this neighborhood praying in the Holy Ghost and it was the house God was keeping for me. It went on the market as soon as I moved here and God kept it there. And by the time that man was ready to sell it to me, he dropped this house $100,000 in price, $100,000, and then gave me $15,000 cash, the owner of this house. And I'm standing in it today by a supernatural miracle, best lot that you could have in this development, beautiful lot on the water, on the T-juncture of the water. Why? Because God opened the door. God did. I couldn't have done it. God did it. God did it. And when others were going, I don't know, you know, Christians just have to struggle to get by. There's people that are attorneys, that are doctors, that are influential people in this neighborhood that walk by and wonder who got that house that's on the lot, that's on the corner. Who got that? Let me tell you who got it. God's people got it. 
the ones who are in covenant with God, the ones that are living holy, the ones that are standing on his word, the ones that are tithing and giving, the ones that are preaching the gospel around the world. That's who got it. And I should not have to take a back seat and neither should you to the spirit of this world who says Christians should remain poor and we should never have the resources to get the gospel out. The devil's a liar and you're called to be blessed. This word pre-exists every condition. And as you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he's going to bless you in the same way. He's going to take you into the overflow, not the day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck. You've got a provider. You're not called to live like that. You are called to stand and live in the overflow, in the excess of God's favor. I like what my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, said one time. He said, your house should be so blessed and have so much that you should even have far more trash than your neighbors on trash day. (laughs) I believe that. I believe that you should be so blessed, so much more blessed than those around you that you even have more trash on trash day than they have. And trust me when I tell you, we do far more trash. There's massive boxes that I got to take out before trash day comes. You have, you have a covenant with the most high God. You have a covenant with the most high God. Karen asks on on YouTube, what about starving Christians in India and other third world countries? Well, how do you think those Christians are going to get help, Karen? I mean, first of all, this is available to everybody. Everybody has this covenant. If you have a covenant with God, you have the ability to stand in this kind of a blessing if you'll obey the word. The most blessed churches that there are are in third world nations right now. Just hear me when I say that. But why, why do you think that our Ministry feeds hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those children every day around the world. How can we do that? How can we be a blessing to them if we don't overflow? If we don't overflow. See, if we don't have the message of overflow, we can never be a blessing to others. We're feeding the hungry. We're feeding the starving. We're taking care of the hurting. Why? Because we believe in a God of blessing. But remember this. Everything we receive is by revelation of God's word and faith in this word. It doesn't ever come by accident and it's not automatic upon every person that gets saved. You've got to receive it by revelation of the word and you have to enact that word by an action of faith and obedience. And that's why we're going to pray tonight because I can tell you, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. God's got a plan to bring those of you watching into the overflow that he's planned for you to have. It only comes from seed sown. God does not answer financially from anything other than a seed sown. Prayer doesn't bring it. Church attendance doesn't bring it. Fasting doesn't bring it. Reading the word doesn't bring it. Financial blessing answers to financial seed. How does someone get into covenant? It's called being a Christian. It's called being a Christian. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by grace, through faith. And then you have the benefits of heaven that are extended to you. I want you to pray tonight. We're going to pray together and the Lord's going to speak to you because it's time for us to rise up above what the spirit of this world says we should be and stand in our blessing as believers and see the overflow of heaven upon our lives and our children, our grandchildren. Father, in Jesus name, I pray that you speak to every one of us tonight. Give us an instruction about what kind of a seed we should sow tonight. And I pray, Lord, that as we step out in faith to obey the voice of your spirit, That quickly, as we read a moment ago, your word runs very swiftly. 
Let the word be sent out and our harvest quickly come into our hand by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now let us, everyone, hear your voice and hear your word and we'll obey in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now I want you to take a step of faith. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit told you to do, there might be some of you watching, the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you heard him and you feel in your spirit, tonight is the night to sow a $1,000 seed. Maybe there's some you heard 100. Maybe some of you heard $50. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you. Everybody is at a different level of faith. Everybody. And so you have to do with what God tells you to do and be obedient where you're at and watch as God lifts you higher. And those of you that want to give tonight, you can sow on miracleword.com. You can also use apps like PayPal, Cash App to give if you'd like. The information's on the screen. And if you're in Facebook or Twitter or Periscope, you can also put hashtag donate right in the comments section and you can sow a seed just like that without ever leaving the broadcast. And a link will, if you've never done it before, a link uh, will come up for you to click and complete your uh, seed that you're sowing. For every person that's sowing with us this month, the month, month of March, uh, $85 or more this month, we're going to send you this powerful book by A.A. A. Allen, who was a powerful, powerful man of God during the voice of healing. This is what Jesus spoke to him in his prayer closet that turned his ministry into a miracle ministry. It's called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. This changed his ministry and many others after him, including mine. Thank you, Amber, for sowing a seed. I appreciate it. God bless you. And for all of you that are sowing, we're going to be sending you this as, a, as our gift to you for the month of March, and I know it'll be a blessing to you. And then um, for those of you sowing $1,000 or more, and we just had more people doing it today, uh, we're going to be sending you this beautiful, genuine leather uh, life application study Bible in the New Living Translation. Um, one of the things that this is one of the tools I was referencing earlier when I started to do the studies today on uh, John chapter one and verse one. So many powerful notes that are in this Bible on the background of these verses. I mean, it's filled. Look, I mean, look how thick. Look how thick that Bible is. If you use just this as a preacher, you'd have like one forearm much larger than the other one. When you got done preaching, you just have like years of carrying this around. You have like one forearm that looks like your Popeye and the other one just like, looks like a normal size. This is such a phenomenal tool and I'm so glad we found these to offer to our partners. So much in there uh, to help you with Bible study. So along with the book, we're gonna be sending you this genuine leather. You can't even find, you know, that makes me upset. You can't even hardly find genuine leather Bibles at the bookstore anymore. I mean, I guess I guess nobody uh, really buys them as much because they are more expensive to make and purchase, but there's nothing like a genuine leather Bible. And these Tyndale, Tyndale produces these, and we get these genuine leather Bibles that we're going to send to you. I love this. I do like, Cora, I do like the New Living Translation for devotional study, new believers, teenagers, kids, and then... I always preach out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. I'd say right now, the ESV is, is my favorite English translation of the Bible. I really, really like the ESV. It's a, it's a word-for-word translation. And so things like I said tonight, I love how it renders just like the original manuscripts in English as closely as it can. Like when I was talking about 2 Timothy chapter 3, I love that the New Living, or that the uh, ESV says it this way, all scripture is breathed out by God. I love that it says that 
because that's what the manuscripts actually say. All scripture is theonoustos in the Greek, breathed out by God, God breathed. And so the ESV study Bible, very good. Yeah, that's a very good, I have that too. This one is just a um, kind of a thin line. My friend, Pastor Alan Hawes gave me this. This is from Ben's Bibles, a custom made one. It's got, this is either goat skin or calf skin, super soft leather. Um, and I just, Ben's Bibles is on Instagram, by the way. If you check them out, they make that guy, Ben, I think his name is Ben Vanoy. He makes phenomenal leather Bibles custom. He'll even rebind an old Bible that you have and they're gorgeous. There's just like a long waiting list. But I really love this. Uh, I love this. I've been preaching with this since he gave it to me. And this is my go-to. I love this Bible. And I love the ESV. And so I've been using it a lot. Of course, we also use the NASB. Um, I, I use a bunch of different translations. Amplified, NASB, New King James, um, ESV, uh, the New English Translation. Something I recently picked up. Love it. Um, yeah, it, it is great. Bonnie, if you're sewing, you have to put the hashtag symbol in front of donate, hashtag donate. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for everybody that's doing it on the website. Thank you for those that are doing it on Cash App. We're always getting those uh, those Cash Apps coming through, the PayPals. Thank you. People are even using Venmo to, to sow a seed. I realize there's people that may want to sow via check. And if you'd like to send a check to our office made out to Miracle Word Ministries, uh, you can get the address on any page of our website at the very bottom, at the footer. So go to miracleword.com and all the way at the bottom of the page, you'll see our mailing address on any page you go to and uh, and you can send a check that way. Uh, let me also remind you that uh, Resurrection Sunday is coming up and because it is, we've put together for your children um, these uh, Miracle Word Kids Easter boxes. And uh, they're $40 inside the box. Of course, you get the custom-made Miracle Word Kids box that you can keep. It's got our confession on it, a bunch of graphics. But it has a journal, a hardback journal inside. It's very much like a moleskin journal uh, with our slogan on it. It's got a slap bracelet. It's got one of the T-shirts. You can choose which T-shirt you'd like. It's got a bunch of candy. And as Jenna said, not crappy candy, good candy. <laughs> and then our brand new... Not only that, the Easter story, but then our brand new Miracle Word Kids tumblers. And it's got, we've got a blue one for, for the guys and we got a pink one for the girls and they have screw on tops, the straws that don't come out. You know, they have the thing on the bottom that holds them in and uh, they have our slogan, strong, smart, and set apart. And they look so good. They just came in and they look phenomenal. So if you'd like to just get one of these for your kids or for your grandkids, you can go to shop.miracleword.com. They're available right now uh, in the store, and I know they'll be a huge blessing to you. As well as for Miracle Word Kids, we have uh, this month's Bible reading mission is the book of Proverbs. And uh, you can jump in with us wherever we are. The resources are free at, mir at miraclewordkids.com. You can go there and download the resources absolutely free. And then don't forget our brand new course in Miracle Word University, Mountain Moving Faith. Uh, this has been the the quickest subscribed to course that we've ever released. And uh, this one will bless you. And right now, this is the best time ever uh, with what's going on to get this course and find out how to have functional faith in the kingdom. We've even bundled all of our courses together so that you get one for free, basically, 28% discount 
all four courses. That's 20 hours of teaching on the Holy Spirit, answered prayer, divine healing, and mountain moving faith for only $199. It's yours forever. You can watch it on your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever, wherever. Uh, and you can even do over four months, $50 a month if you'd like to do it that way. And uh, you'll love it. You will absolutely love it. It'll be a massive blessing to you. So let me encourage you to do that. Check those things out at miraclewordu.com. The letter U, that's the university. And uh, I know it'll bless you guys. I'll be back. What's it's today? Today's Sunday. I'll be back in the morning. We're back to Monday. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. And then tomorrow night, 7 p.m. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be powerful. I'm so excited. I feel the Holy Ghost. Any questions before we go tonight? You're welcome, Julie. Ted, which what what kind did you get? What kind of leather? Ted Melton said he he has one. You have like a gator skin, ostrich skin, calf skin, non-tither skin. <laughs> Let me know what you got. Thank you, Bonnie, for sending the check. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. If there's any questions, let me know. Um, if you missed the beginning, I played my friend, <coughs> Jeremiah Yoakum, singing one of my favorite songs, uh, Funeral Plans. I'm going to go out with it tonight. Uh, what's the testimony? Adrian and Shandra have a testimony. I want to hear what it is. Yes, Juan, what's the question? Sound like Dwight from The Office. Question. <laughs> and we're going to go out with that song tonight, by the way. Funeral plans. When I die, let me die speaking in tongues. One of my favorites ever. Love you, Kelly. Emu skin. <laughs> Thanks for hanging, Kelly. Love you. That's funny. Type the question one. <laughs> Goat skin. Those are nice too. Faithful. Oldest son been faithfully tithing, given he's only 17. Today got a promotion at his job with a $4 raise. Praise God. That's amazing. I love that. Ted, send me a picture of your Bible. I want to see it. That video of Brother Shambach, <coughs> he used to preach that message. Um, he'd go into those inner cities <coughs> and... Um, He'd preach that message uh, where he'd have them bring those two caskets in and up onto the platform and basically preach about, you know, the dead in Christ will rise first. It's a, it's a salvation message for sure. And he'd have that uh, guy up there with the trumpet. And when he was ready to talk about the rapture happening, he'd have that guy to blow the trumpet. And ha when he, when the, as you saw in the video, uh, when, when the man blew the trumpet, the one casket would open up and the guy would jump out and start dancing all over the platform and the other casket would stay closed. And uh, his it, the message was called How to Raise the Dead. I think it's still, the whole message, I believe, is still on, on YouTube if you search it. Brother Shambach, How to Raise the Dead. And um, he, he's, it's about the rapture of the church and uh, being ready to see Jesus when he comes. It's a powerful, absolutely powerful message. I love that message. He, I think he preached it one time at Bishop G.E. Patterson's church in Memphis, Tennessee. But the one I showed was from under his tent. I love that. We traveled with Brother Shambach for a while, probably about a decade, 10 years. <clears throat> My dad for longer. But I miss Brother Shambach very much. Loved him so much. 
Can't wait to see him again. Yeah, the rapture's coming soon. It's the next major event of the church. According to scripture, it's the next major thing to happen. I love you guys. Have a phenomenal night. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be, once again, 7 p.m. Thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds. Thank you to everybody that's standing with us. We love you so much. Have a great one and enjoy this. My friend, Jeremiah Yoakam, singing a song written by Linda Gibson, Funeral Plans. Have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Between the pages of an old family Bible Said, this is my last request, and these are my funeral plans. Oh, when I die, let me die speaking of. Let it ring in my ears all of these songs I've sung. Lord, give me the strength to praise you. Speak your name one more time, and then have your angels carry me over to the other side. Oh, give me the strength to praise you.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. 